Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, reading through the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. Welcome back. Happy New Year. It's 2020, and we're still in Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, that makes sense. It is a rather long book, but here we are, really. I mean, it's kind of like a cliffhanger, you know, like what they do before you go into, like, the Christmas break on TV, right? We were in Chapter 63, and, you know, it, it's setting us up for this, like, this big finish in Isaiah uh, 63. You got the image of, you know, like, God is a warrior here. We, we kind of, like, put aside, like, the, the very happy, bright image of chapters, you know, 60 through, like, uh, 62. And then we're, we're concluding on this big thing. And we started off um, from the last chapter, 63, you know, but they rebelled. They grieved his Holy Spirit, you know. And, and then we have become like those whom you've never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. What's going to happen? And today it starts off with big words, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. So what what does this mean? How does this fit in with what we're doing here now in the season of Epiphany? Some really some really cool stuff in this chapter as, as it does come off with a really big finish in Isaiah. And joining us today, we've got a new guest, uh, someone who you may have heard if you've ch uh, checked out Sharper Iron before, though, among other things. We've got Pastor Gavin Mize, pastor of Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us on Thy Strong Word. Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've listened, of course, for... For a long time, uh, first first time guest, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, well, with thy strong word. You know, we, you really dissect uh, a, a few texts, but um, this is uh, different in that we get to look at the whole chapter, and that basically that's how I write sermons. You know, I start with a big chapter, and then uh, go inward uh, to the pericope. So this is a this is helpful for for me and hopefully for all all pastors who listen to Thy Strong Word and Rubber Iron, that they can hone in their homiletical uh, abilities, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like what you're saying. Like, you, you got to do both. You got to like look at like the small chunks in detail, but you you can't miss the forest for the trees. And you got to look at the big stuff too. And you know, sometimes like you're saying, you know, you're looking at a text. Um, that we read in church on Sunday. And sometimes those those little like uh, chunks from the lectionary can just be just like a handful of verses. And you got to know, okay, like what's the rest of the chapter say, you know? And sometimes it feels just criminal when <laughs> it like stops just short. In fact, we're going to see that in a couple of days when we look at Isaiah chapter 66, how <laughs> unfortunately yeah. the lectionary leaves out the last chapter of or the last verse of Isaiah. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk there in a, in a couple of days. Uh, as for this part of Isaiah, we actually do get uh, Isaiah chapter 64 in the lectionary, um, not not this this past um, season of Advent, but actually this this coming, um, or actually, I guess it would be, what, we're in year A, yeah. So, so yeah, so this coming celebration of Advent, like uh, almost a year from now, we'll get it actually the first Sunday of Advent, this reading, you know, oh, that you would rend the heavens and and come down. So today we're, we're getting to see like, how does this all uh, fit together in the broader context? So 
without any further ado, let's go ahead and turn to the chapter, get the first chunk of this read. And uh, as we do, would you start us off with a prayer in this in this new year as we get back into the swing of things for us and for everyone listening today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, as we celebrate your epiphany, the epiphany in which the Magi came, and unto their minds they saw the Christ child, and they knew the King of Kings had been born. As that Christ child would grow, many more epiphanies would come. The wedding of Cana, the uh, healing of the blind, healing of the sick, the resurrection of Lazarus, and so many other epiphanies that would point to Jesus as the Christ, the one that John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will look upon us now through the eyes of that same crucified and risen Savior, and that, our, that the epiphany that we have is faith by grace. To that same Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, brother. Let's get into this here. The first, uh, say, seven verses kind of forms like a, a unit together. And so let's go ahead and just read that and kind of let that um, kind of like just soak in. And we'll, we'll go through uh, some of the details. And um, it is, again, kind of one of these shorter chapters, not really because uh, the unit is necessarily shorter, but just because it's kind of broken down more in this latter part of Isaiah, as we saw last time, it, the action really began back um, at least at verse 15, uh, where, where it said uh, from the previous chapter, look down from heaven and see. And so now we have, you know, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. So very, very similar language. But let's go ahead and read these first seven verses, and then we'll start to pick things apart. So, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one's heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you, who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him with, who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. So, uh, I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, you can see how this language fits very well the season of Advent. Um, you know, maybe not as much like Epiphany, um, though maybe there's still some connections here, but oh, there's certainly, yeah, absolutely, there's definitely some, connect, some connection there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and you mentioned, I mean, you know, like in this season of Epiphany, of course, we think of, um, you know, our Lord's baptism, right? And so I think I think in there, maybe, like, again, kind of with that Advent preaching of John the Baptist, we'll see some things there. But 
uh, just overall in these first seven verses, it looks like it's a, it's a recollection of, of the past, you know, like you know, you've done awesome things that we did not look for. I think that, you know, that's recalling, you know, um, the, the Exodus, the, you know, the Passover crossing into the promised land, um, you know, the rescue from the Assyrians, right? So like you've done awesome things before God. Um, the only reason why you haven't saved us and gotten us out of this jam is because of our sin. It's because, you know, as it says in verse six, we've become like a polluted garment. So it, it, it's this calling on God and wanting him to come down and do something. He's done it before in the past, but acknowledging that we're the ones who are the problem and who are getting in the way of God doing that. I agree. and uh, But I do think that this particular uh, section, this particular chapter in Isaiah, as with the majority of Isaiah, really needs to be looked at uh, through a liturgical lens, uh, through a divine service lens as well. Um, the Aaronic benediction there at the end of the service um, uses the same Hebrew word over and over and over. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Each time they're ta- each time they're talking about God's face and what his face is doing. Hmm. And, and, and we're, we're going to come to that soon that, that you have read. But also I think it connects directly to uh, rend the heavens and look down. Um, and that, yeah. in other words, don't hide your... Ha- one of my favorite... Uh, uh, Psalms from King David is, how long, O Lord, will you uh, hide your face from me forever? And the idea is that God has turned his face and is no longer, and by turning his face, he uh, his favor is no longer on that person. Um, right. And then you see the opposite with Christ when he turns his face towards Jerusalem, which is towards the salvation of mankind. And both of those work very well together with this rend the heavens wide, look down upon us, not because we want you to see our iniquities, but because we are confessing our iniquities and we cannot exist uh, without your gaze and your face is, is, is away, uh, hidden, turned, um, uh, we and and also the 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 Hebraic language is so poetic here, you know, uh, to basically to rip the heavens so that his vision that, that so that his sight is so clear. There's nothing impeding it, um, uh, him looking upon his his people. Um, right. And yeah, just like just like many times in Scripture, they also don't know what they're asking for. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that that that's right. Yeah, that thing. Thanks for that. Yeah, definitely, you got that image of of, of the face and the gaze of God and that keeps coming up again and again. And it started off uh, as we were saying back back last time, um, back in chapter sixty three. You know, look down from heaven and see. You know, so two verbs there of of like of seeing of looking of regarding right of uh, keeping us in mind and recollecting right acknowledging all those sorts of ideas come to mind all the all the ideas as you were saying that are connected to blessing um and then here in 64 
I mean, it's it's an intensification, right? Because it's not even like run the heavens and look down. And now it's now, right? It's like you were saying, they don't know what they're asking for. Um, it's run the heavens and come down. Come down, right? right? Exactly. And, and, uh, and, and so, I mean, like that, it's the intensification of presence. Because when, when God's looking, right, that's that's his face. Um, that, that, that is like his extended presence. I mean, even, even the word, the basic word for presence in Hebrew is, is kind of literally like, you know, before your face is, is, is kind of the expression. Right. Um, but so mm-hmm. this is, this is even more intensely what you come down and take a really good look at what's, <laughs> at what's yeah. going on. Um, but, but right. But just, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it, it is interesting because even though the people of God are, are, I think on a certain level, um, you know, as they are hopeless and lost um, in the destruction wrought by the Babylonians, uh, the, the the prophet here, who is you know speaking the words of Isaiah um, from so long ago, I mean, he gets the sense when God shows up, it's a scary thing. You know, the mountains quake at your presence, or you know, before your face is is the phrase, right? Um, and, and that's that's what's going on when when we call down. Uh, your presence, I mean, that's calling down fire. That's the phrase, right? Like fire kindles brushwood, fire causes water to boil. Um, I mean, th- this this in some ways does seem to fit with the first part of chapter 63 when, um, I mean, the, the idea is like God is like a, is a warrior who is going to come, um, you know, like in, in blood red, uh, that idea of God, you know, donning like the, the armor of, of righteousness and salvation, like God is being invoked here, uh, I think, as a warrior again. Oh, absolutely. You are absolutely correct. Um, and so kind of moving on from the countenance uh, part, and we talk about the fire coming down. Um, I particularly love the the, the, the language, the, the visual of... Um, uh, that that his presence coming down uh, like fire makes the water boil. You know, that, yeah. In other words, there's no comfort because that's the one thing that we need, <laughs> and there and there is no comfort when God is uh, is angry um, right. and wrathful. And so, yeah, you're right. He comes down um, in 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 a warrior sense. And what a, what a wonderful. This should be in, uh, you know, Concordia Publishing House should, should put together a confession absolution book on how to confess and and uh, and you know some prayers of, of confession, and, cause yeah. I, and I think that this would be a really good one because when they say um, we know that you can do all these things because you because the, you know the the tense of the verbs change. Uh, around, mm. make sure around uh, three. So in, in, right. in two, as fire kindles brushwood, water boils. You made your known, your name known among adversaries. The nations uh, uh, tremble in, in your presence. When and then it changes to to past tense. When you did the awesome things, right. we didn't we didn't care or notice or. Because I, because I, I would, I wouldn't just blame this on ig- pure ignorance. I would actually say that this was like, like willful ignoring, um, right, of, of, of God's uh, ability and God's uh, desire. Because why else bring it up? Well, instead of saying, well, we didn't know to look. You know, of course they knew to, they knew to look. They just didn't. So. 
when you did all, when you did in the past awesome things, we did not look for it. You came down, and all the things that we're asking you to do now, you did before. So we know that. So, so we know that you can have mercy and pity on us and fight for us once again. And what a great prayer that is for the Christian as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Some really, some really good thoughts there. Yeah, paying attention to uh, the, the the tenses, right, in in, uh, in in the Hebrew, and of course, that's a little bit tricky, right? Here, if anyone does happen to look at the Hebrew, the the Hebrew verses are off by one. Um, just in English translation, uh, they they started a verse earlier, so <laughs> when you're like comparing the two, you your your eyes kind of like get uh, skipping lines and stuff. But 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 right, like there's this this thought of you know what you know we when we look back to when you did all that stuff, you know, in, in the past, um, put ourselves in that situation. Well, what happened? Well, yeah, you did come down, but it's just. Well, I mean, we, we, we weren't, we weren't looking for it. We weren't expecting it. I mean, and, and I think that that said, if we go back to that, you know, armor of God idea, cause we, we, we've seen that before, not too long ago, um, you know, back in chapter 59 that, you know, God, he, he kind of looks out at the situation. That's the, that's the kind of language in chapter 59. He looks down and it's a, it's a mess. And he's like, you know what, if I wait for my people to get their act together, they're never going to be saved. It's, it's never, the situation's never going to look good. Right. Um, right. And, and so he decides like, well, I'm just going to go down there and just do something about it anyway. I mean, that's the language back in 59. It was like verse uh, 15, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and all the rest. Right. So, uh, I, I think that this is a kind of a similar idea that, like, the, the prophets acknowledging, God, if you waited for, if you wait for us to get our act together, you're never going to come. Please just come down <laughs> now. Just, just come down now and bring us salvation. We, we, we don't deserve it. We're never going to really truly be ready for it. We we just need you to come and do this like all on your own. Exactly, I, I could have, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's it's the uh, it's a uh, I don't want to say foreshadowing. I don't want to say a mirror image or anything like that. But uh, it reminds me strongly. That's what I'll say. It reminds me strongly of. Palm Sunday, um, mm. when when they were uh, yelling out uh, Hosanna, 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 and um, in the highest, which of course means save us now. You know, it's 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 an immediate directive. You know, save us, save us, save us. Um, but they didn't really know what they were asking, um, or at least they didn't know the yeah. mode of salvation. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They, they they all knew that by saying Hosanna, they were effectively saying like, we want you to be the king. They yeah, just exactly didn't, they just didn't, didn't know the, what it really meant for him to be the king. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't know the throne, the throne would be made of wood instead of gold. Um, yeah. Right. So, so, so I kind of see that, that, that same thing here, you know, God come, but instead, but, but in the, um, uh, pre-incarnate, uh, understanding, you know, come down and fight on our behalf against 
our foes um, and just as Christ does and when but when Christ does um, he does so in um, against our the foe of sin death and the devil um, right right here well yeah we're, no we're, we're, talking, we're talking about a different type of liberation but still liberation Right. No, 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 that, that, that's well put. And, and you, you mentioned of like, you know, pre-incarnate. I mean, yes, I mean, like when God comes down as, as a warrior and, you know, what we saw back with the Assyrian crisis in the first part of Isaiah, you know, that angel of the Lord comes and strikes down uh, the Assyrians and they, and they leave Jerusalem alone. I mean, like, you know, like, is that not Christ who is coming and coming down and, and fighting on behalf of his people? And, um, you know, like, uh, I'm excited that very soon we're going to be going to the book of Joshua, right? And who does Joshua encounter? He encounters this figure with his sword drawn. It's the commander of the Lord's armies, right? Who's telling him how uh, how Jericho is going to be given over into their hand. Like, is that not Joshua meeting the Lord Jesus, you know, who's coming to to fight the battle for his people, you know? So, I mean, like all of the Old Testament's getting us ready for this idea that it's really God who fights it's really our Lord Jesus who fights the battle for us. Uh, it's it's not our it's not ourselves. We we would never be able to to do anything with it. And and I think and I think for that reason, it, this is actually a good way to set up the ending for Isaiah. Because you know, I I think a lot of people like if we had decided how Isaiah would be edited, you know, perish the thought. But like if if, if we if we had been the ones right, we would have probably ended it at chapter sixty two, right? Like it would have it would have been like. You know, and they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You shall you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Period. What a beautiful ending, right? You know, like just to end on a high note, right? That's that's how we that's how we do things. We like comedies, not tragedies. But it's as you were saying uh, that the the true ending of Isaiah goes back to this because at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 Hosanna. It's pleading before God. It's like what Luther said. You know, we're all beggars. I mean, it's like when when you boil it all down, we we can't deny it is just our urgent need that we call out to God for help. Absolutely. And um, before I forget, I, I didn't know that we were going to get to this quite to this topic, but I do want to plug the book um, by Doctor uh, Charles Gieschen. Angel Morphic Christology, um, hmm. antecedents and, and early evidence is is the, is the full the full title, and that's a lot like what you're saying. You know the uh, uh, in Genesis one, um, the, you know the the Trinity is there. Okay, well, well, where is the Trinity? Okay, well, it's in God speaking, God the Father speaking. The world is created. Uh, the the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. Um, right. The Word of God being Jesus, but also Jesus walking with Adam in the garden. Right. And that that yeah. was Christ. Of course that was Christ, uh, pre-incarnate Christ. And so we kind of see that, that same thing over and over. And, and Dr. Gieschen does a great job of that in Angel Morphic Christology. Um, and, and, and also Angel, Angel Morphic Humanity. Uh, where he looks at Isaiah in in the the light of uh, of an angel, it's it's actually quite quite amazing. But we won't spend too much time on that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I but think thank, thanks for the recommendation, though. And and it's we 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 have gotten to see that um, a little bit, you know, on on thy strong word. You know, looking back, you know, at 2019, you know, after we did John, we 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 went to numbers and we and we saw, you know, just the descriptions of how. 
Moses would talk about how he saw God face to face and how, you know, when there was the midst of the uprising with Aaron um, and, and Miriam, how like in, in the cloud of pillar, there's this figure that they can see, like, you know, like not directly, but there's this figure that looks like a man, right? You know, and of course, like everything, like with the rock that gives the water, um, you know, and we saw like in Daniel, you know, there, there's this one who, who looks like, you know, like, I mean, I mean, from the Babylonian perspective, right? He looks, he looks like a God, like, what, what is, who is this guy, you know, that they, that's there in Daniel, um, and, and all the rest of it. So as, as we've well, gone through Sh- the Old Shadrach, Testament. Meshach, and Abednego, right? No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Also. Um, yeah, that's right. In that, in that story where Daniel's friends are, are thrown into the fiery furnace. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, oh, oh and then, did you course, mention that? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. No, um, it, it, well, you're you're right. It's not actually Daniel. It's in, in the book of Daniel, but Daniel's not the one who's thrown into the, the fiery furnace right, in that right. story. So it's a helpful clarification. But we, we've, we've seen anyway in all these different Old Testament books that we've looked at that Jesus keeps uh, showing up. Our Lord is there like again and again. It's not like, uh, you know, when John chapter one rolls around, this is like the first time he's done anything. Like he's been kind of like, you know, uh, waiting in the rafters or something. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the only other thing that I have here is just is uh, I uh, the, again it's confession and and absolution, but it's absolution by the sword, which is so very strange to us Christians. Um, because as we continue, we have all become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like polluted, are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon, the, on, upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. Um, and you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. That is very anti-Baptist. Uh, I mean, if there's ever a verse that says you can't give your heart to, to Jesus, or that um, God doesn't want it. There it is. <laughs> um, no one who calls yeah, I, upon the, the 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 you know the name of the name of the Lord. Um, you know, our righteous deeds are like polluted garments, or, or also Roman Roman Catholicism. Um, you know, our deeds are are disgusting garments, which also, of course, ties to the garments being washed in white in yeah. the blood of the Lamb. Etc. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I, th- I think you make a good point, and, and certainly, of course, even within Lutheranism, you, 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 oh, yeah. you see yeah. this this error too. But like the idea that you know, like, well, well, wait, wait for you to like, you know, figure out your stuff, and then God will come and and save and do His thing, right? And that's just what we were saying. Like this thrust that began all the way back in '59 is that hey, if God was going to wait for us, like He'd be waiting a long time. Um, so God's got to go, got to be the one who takes the initiative, puts the armor on. We're actually a little bit over time, though. Uh, we have to take a short break. Everybody hang on with us. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 64 here on Unstrong Word, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because Good Lutheran Books for Kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. 
to learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 64. You know, after a long break here over the Christmas uh, season and the, the day of Epiphany yesterday, uh, now we're back back into the swing of things, and we're finishing off Isaiah before we take a look. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, you know, th these last couple of chapters of Isaiah are just a big epic conclusion here. And then we're going to look at 2nd and 3rd John. Uh, we looked at 1st John, you know, way before we did uh, Daniel and Ezra, actually. So we'll, we'll finish off the letters of John, then we'll get into Joshua, which is just going to be a lot of fun to, to look at. I want to make sure, before I forget, to give a shout-out to our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Uh, check them out at lhfmissions.org. Uh, some new content on their website in this new month of the new year. Today, we are joined uh, by a, a new guest making his uh, Thy Strong Word debut here. We've got Pastor Gavin Mize, pastor of Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. So we were we were just looking at this first chunk of the chapter, the first seven verses, and it, it really is picking up threads that were back earlier in the book, from 59 especially. You know, God just, we need you to come down and take initiative and salt, uh, sort out this mess for us. We're, we're never going to get there. We're a mess. No one's, I mean, like, look look at Judah here. No one, no one calls upon God's name. We're all going in different directions. We know historically that's what happened after the Babylonians came through, that there was all kinds of idolatry going on. That's what Isaiah has been telling us about so uh, this this idea we we are just beggars before God as Luther said I uh, I want I want to make sure that we we press on here and look at the second half because um actually brother as you were already anticipating uh, some some of these ideas here really complement and, and kind of complete the thought of the of the first half of the chapter so let's go ahead and read the second half of the chapter here verses eight through twelve in Isaiah chapter 64, and we'll take a look at how the pieces fit together. So picking it up at verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not our iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness, Zion has become a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire, and all our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? So just, I mean, really... You can you can feel the pain in the voice, right? Like just just pleading before God, is this going to go on forever? Please do something. Don't, are you just going to let this be a mess? I mean, Jerusalem's in shambles. Uh, the whole of Judah, is, it's like a wilderness. You know what what happened to all of our fields? What happened to all of the the places where we used to graze our flocks? I mean, it's just this one big uh, devastation. After the after the fires and and the wheels of war rolling through, 
um, you know, pleading for God to to put an end to this and to and to put an end to the enemies of God who made all this happen. And also, what's uh, the ending is so intriguing to me um, because it sort of falls off the cliff. You know, there, there's there is no resolution. Yeah. At the end, at, at the end of the chapter alone, is what I mean. Um, right. It just sort of. I, I, I'll tell you a story. There was a there was Doctor Pulse when I was in seminary in Fort Wayne. Uh, preached a sermon, and uh, as he was preaching the sermon, and this is why I've never forgotten it, um, he he made his, he was preaching, he made his point, and he said, um, he said, and that's it. And he turned around and walked off the pulpit. And huh. it it just, it, it just, it was seared into my mind because, it wasn't it wasn't tapered you know he made he made his point he made the gospel strong and he said what else you know basically what he was saying is what else is, is there to to say anything else would be would be pandering well this is sort of the opposite of that where it where <laughs> it does drop off but it drops off you know, with with god seemingly having his fingers in his ears uh will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly and it, and then you you know you can enter the cricket uh, sound bite, you know, yeah, <laughs> before the yeah. next chapter. So yeah, no, but you're you're, you're right. Well, because when you go into sixty five, I mean, it is just like a new a a new chapter and a new segment. It isn't is it isn't just like part B. When when you pick up sixty five, it's like I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. And the rest of it, it's all of a sudden it's in the voice of uh, in the voice of God. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, the next sermon um, in the in the series here. But yeah, certainly after verse twelve, it's like you know Isaiah walks off the pulpit. Um, but that the last thing he says is 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 a, it's a tragic ending to to the sermon. Will you restrain yourself at these things? And uh, certainly, you know, I think that it's interesting that you bring that that story up of a uh, of the kind of the sudden abrupt ending. I, I do think that we sometimes think the story always needs to kind of go a certain way, always has to have a neat, happy, tidy ending. But if we're being real with like human emotions and human experiences and real life as it is, that's not always how it is. And actually, it's it's really comforting to me that in Isaiah chapter 64, he's just um he's put into words like what what it's like sometimes, like the the journey of faith that. Um, that some days, like you, you don't see an immediate resolution to the problem. A lot of days, in fact, a lot of days you don't even see you don't even see the solution coming um, from from a ways off. It's just not in sight, um, right. and and all you're left with is is struggling with God in the darkness. But I mean, you 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 keep speaking, and you don't stop asking that question. You know, God, you know, come down. Don't be angry. Will you? Will you restrain yourself? You keep speaking, and you keep speaking, and you you fall asleep while praying, uh, because that's what faith does. It never lets go of the promise, even when things are totally dark. And you know, I, it's funny you mentioned that, and I don't want to get too far off the topic, but I, I've I have had this on my mind, and my, the way my mind works is not always uh, linear. But um, sure. Uh, what, what when we pray and we pray and we ask, um, 
and we say, you know, why don't why don't we have an answer? Where's our answer? Maybe it's none of our business. Hmm. You, you know what I mean? I, I can't help yeah. but think think that. It's like I want my. Of course, we all want our prayers answered, and He does answer every prayer. But how He answered it, we're not entitled to that. We're not entitled to the information of how He uh, answers prayers um and uh, the uh, entrance into jerusalem on palm sunday is the perfect example again and and we can apply that here to our text um are you going to afflict us so terribly well quite frankly it's none of your business and then he answers (laughs) he answers in 65 which i don't want to step on the next fellow's toes but um, right. But well, well, so that's that's the thing, though, right? It's like it, it's um, or maybe another way of putting it is that like, well, it, it's not for you to know yet. <laughs> now, now is not the time for you to know that answer. Like all, all in good time. It's that's for that's for me to know and for you to find out later. <laughs> you know, yeah. and sometimes we have to have the humility. I, I I like that's what you're saying. I mean, like we, we got to have humility before God. Like, yeah, faith faith asks questions. Faith holds on to hope. Faith keeps asking, but faith is also humble and acknowledges that God doesn't have to give us stuff just because we ask for it. You know, well, I mean, and, like, and He can also answer prayers without uh, without us ever knowing. You know, we don't. We, that's true. I, I think I think that we assume that when prayers are answered, we're we're we have some sort of uh, um, right to yeah. to know when it's answered and how it's answered. Well, you know, the doctrine of vocation, of course, does not work that way. If you have the flu and you receive uh, antibiotics, well, there's like at least 150 people that God has used to answer your prayer of not being sick. Um, and right. you have not thought of one of them except for maybe the doctor and the pharmacist. Yeah, do, do you see what I'm saying? It's like he, he's he's not required to tell us how he answers our That's prayers. That's true. Uh, nor That's true. would it even matter. Um, in this case, uh, uh, in our in our scripture, uh, in our chapter, uh, it's 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 got to be obvious. It, it has to be obvious, um, right? And it does become obvious because right. you, you're not going to miss it. <laughs> what God does, you're not going to miss it in this case. No, no, that, that that's right. I mean, in, in this situation of the the mess of Judah, I mean, when when he finally does come, and isn't that interesting? You you, you mentioned you know pre-incarnate Christ, and we we're kind of developing that thought before uh, before the break. That you know, in this situation, you know, what's the answer to the prayer? Is it that like God comes down in human flesh and saves them? No, actually. He sends Cyrus of Persia to go save them. I mean, it's so. Like, yep. um, I mean, it's a, 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 yet another twist, right? I mean, he does come in human form, you might say, but it's like uh, it's not by sending uh, his son in the flesh; it's by sending a foreigner um, to to come save them, right? I mean, like I, it, it's hard to say which is more audacious in in, in some respects. Um, but I mean, it, it's just really something how God, He's just always. Um, when he does finally send the salvation, you don't even recognize it sometimes. Um, and, and yet, um, in hindsight, of course, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, we should have seen that coming. But but yeah, God answers these these prayers in unexpected and, and complex ways. I remember back in Advent, I was, I was preaching on John the Baptist, you know, um, and one thing that I was reflecting on that I didn't have a chance to really develop was that 
you know, isn't that something when Gabriel appears to Zechariah and he says, you know, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered and tells him that he's going to have a son. And you got to think about that because like, well, hang on a second. Was Zechariah, right, who is, you know, like a, like a priest of God advanced in years, right? I mean, it, said, it says in the very beginning of Luke, he, he and his wife are blameless, right? Is this guy praying for a son when he's like, you know, 65 years old or whatever the case is? I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that he thinks he's entitled to that. Um, I don't, I don't think that he's like, oh, I have a right to that. And furthermore, when, when right. he, when he gets the word from Gabriel, like, how does he react? Like, hang on a second, I'm going to have a son. I mean, this is, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't the voice of a guy who's like, oh, good. Like I, like I've been praying all along, right? This is a guy who forgot about the prayer. You know I mean? He, he yeah. prayed for that for a long time ago, but he stopped praying for that, you know, decades ago. And yeah. yet all of a sudden after he's, after he's long forgotten that he even prayed about that, here's God answering his prayer in an unexpected way in a totally unexpected time. Exactly, exactly. I was asking for golf clubs, and you give me a baby? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I know, that's right. There's, there's, no, there's no canceling your prayers. You're like, God, I revoke that <laughs> exactly. prayer. Like, you know, you, you pray it, and he, he'll remember it, you know, like for the rest of eternity. He might, he might go on in. I mean, that's the crazy thing, right? You might pray for something, and he might give it to your great-grandchildren long after you, right? I mean, it's just— yeah. God's going to answer things in his time, or as you were saying, right, sometimes we ask these questions of God, right, will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Um, and he doesn't give us a straight answer, and, and that's one of the things I love about the Gospels, how they record um, how our Lord Jesus, man, half the time he gets asked a question, he does not give an answer. <laughs> he, like, he answers with another question. You know, he poses a riddle. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's constrained to answer every question that he's asked. He's Especially sometimes not like from the Pharisees, you know, I mean, those are yeah. the ones where he was really like, uh, riddle me this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's right. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like answering that question. I mean, but, but even, even to his own, even his own people, right? Like even, even to his disciples, right? Like they're in acts, you know, so I know this is like continuing the gospel anyway of Luke. Uh, they come together, right? And they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he doesn't say no. He says it's not for you to know. <laughs> it, it goes back like, to what I said. I don't. I don't feel it's like answering your, your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. Like I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later, <laughs> but not right now. You know. So it's. Uh, yeah. No. It, it is. It is something like faith. So faith's going to ask the question. Faith's going to you know ask. You know, uh, will you restrain yourself at these things? Will you? Will you keep silent? You know, be, don't be angry with us. But but faith also has to have humility. You know that you know. We might be waiting for a while, and certainly, man, in, in in Judah, they had to wait seventy years for the exiles to come back and the city to be rebuilt. I mean, that, that's yep. that's a that's a lifetime. Yep, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, and um, particularly uh, going back to our uh, back to our text here, uh, it, it even in that drop off. Uh, I guess what I what I'm calling the drop off. Um, you're expecting a wait. Will you will, yeah. will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? Yeah, and that's what and that's what you get right there. Right, 
Right. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there, is, there is like a, just by ending it that way, there is, there, there is, there is almost something of a, of a kind of, I mean, it, on the one hand, it's like the, the resignation, right. Of ending it right there. It's almost like, well, I'm just going to stop talking because it's not going to change the situation for right now. Right. Um, yet on the other hand, I mean, uh, actually it's, it, it's, it, it's interesting that the, the very last word is this, uh, in Hebrew is this Adma ode. It's like this, this, like mm-hmm. this exceedingly or in, until the utmost until the very end or something like that. And, and it's like, the, the sense is like, well, no, I mean, he, he can't just do this forever. Right. So, I mean, like on the one hand, there's this gut instinct that the answer is, is no, but there's also the feeling that it might take a while. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so, you know, so, I mean, I think that, you know, and and we've been talking about this already, but you know, so, so in this situation, you know, for these survivors who are left, left behind in, in Judah, um, you know, they, they, uh, and I use the phrase left behind, like notice how being left behind in scripture is like uh, a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, you survived. Um, but so, you know, so here they are, they're, they're, they're left behind and, uh, you know, they've got a long ways to wait before, uh, Zion is, 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 uh, rebuilt and Jerusalem is restored and, and all the rest, you know, that, that that is, I think, a lot of ways something that we can relate to. We in the United States, of course, we, we enjoy honestly still. Uh, if you look at the history of the church, we're still enjoying a, a really really an era of peace when it when it comes down to it. Like we are not persecuted, not nearly like the way that we used to be, or like that we are in different parts of the world. Um, it, it really we 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 have it pretty good. That, I, that think, said, I think the church, the church in the United States, could use a little more persecution. Um, yeah, personally, that that well, that's that's probably true. Though that is that is a prayer that I will be hesitant to make. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm not saying that we should ask for it, but uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, you're 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 right. You're right, though. We we so we we always pray, you know, lead us not into temptation, but we know that. If God were to send, uh, you know, lead, lead us into some trial and tribulation, that if he, if he did do that, it would only be to discipline us um, and to make us stronger and, and to awake, reawaken our faith. So, I mean, it's yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. That I mean, yeah. like it sometimes you 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 need that all all in God's time though. But uh, I, I think along those lines, you know, so why why do we need like a, a reawakening or uh, some discipline? Like, well. I mean, because I mean, here we are in our situation, and we just—I uh, I don't know—we we 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 are we're in such uh, dismay, right? We look around us, and we're like, "Look, the the holy cities have become a wilderness, right? Zion's become a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation." And we, and we look, and we're like, "This church used to be, you know, filled up to the balcony, you know, back in the '40s and the '50s, right?" And Look, our giving used to be off the charts, and we had a surplus every year. And now we're we're drawing on the reserve fund, and you know, and and so we we look around and we're like, what? Well, this isn't my grandparents' church. What's going on? And in a lot of corners, we're we're just we're, we feel like we're we're the survivors of some kind of Babylonian invasion, right. and, and perhaps in some respects that's uh, perhaps that's true, but I mean, isn't it an intriguing thought that? As you know, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, should we be crying out to God though? I mean, like, sh- shouldn't we be, if we think things are so bad, I mean, shouldn't we be praying prayers like Isaiah chapter 64, right? Shouldn't we be acknowledging that loss and also acknowledging that, I don't know, God, God might wait 70 years to really do something about the problem. Right. Absolutely right. Um, I, sorry, I got, got distracted there. But bells started going off here at the Uh-oh. church. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm not sure where where we, where we want to end this one here, um, uh, because let's see. Hey, this one section I know I, I did want to discuss. The holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion uh, has become wilderness. Jerusalem of desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. Um, I, I'm a beauty and aesthetics, uh, I guess, obsessed person. Uh, <laughs> I've been studying it for a long, long time. Um, liturgical aesthetics, catechetical aesthetics, beauty appreciation, all that kind of stuff. And so when I see this, um, our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you uh, has been burned by fire and our pleasant places have become ruins. It, this just further points to my opinion um, that when people say well, the, the church is not a building, the assumption is that the building doesn't matter. Uh, mm. And and that that always bothers me. You say, okay, the church the church is not a building, but it's also but it's very vital to the church to have a building, um, yeah, and and to have a beautiful place. Uh, you know, Christ, uh, uh, God brought the Israelites out of uh, bondage into the into the promised land, not to the burnt fields, and said, well, hey, you're the church. You should be happy, you know. Burnt yeah. fields, go be, go be the church. No, you know, right. flowing with milk and honey. Um, yeah, and, and again, it, it's just such juxtaposition to the last sentence. I keep talking about the last question, but um, such a sweet juxtaposition there that uh, that I find uh, intriguing. Yeah in my line of study <laughs> yeah yeah well no thanks thanks for that thought i like the way you're putting it like it, it's you know it, you're you're right sometimes you know y- you say something like there's a lot of these truisms right all these maxims and, and we say things like well the church isn't the building it's the people right of course that's true but like yeah, when true. you say that to mean therefore the building doesn't matter right like now now we've now we've kind of tossed out the baby with the bathwater. we've gone too far right because I mean, as we've been seeing here throughout the book of Isaiah, it's not even just that the building matters, the dirt that the building's on matters, Yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, the dirt matters. Think about that. I mean, like, you know, there's all this conversation and, and discussion about about the land, right? I mean, like, the land is is holy. Like, the land matters, you know? Like, what, like there's all this discussion about what's happened to, like, our vineyards, what's happened to the places where where we, we could graze our flocks, you know? Um, you know, like, how about the places where we would grow grain and grow grapes, you know? I mean, like, the this the, the natural um, beauty of, of the land itself matters. And, 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 you know, I mean, but we heard back in chapter 62, right, 
the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married, right? I mean, God, God right. marries himself to the land. I mean, no, I mean, that should, that should give us some pause. Like if the dirt matters to God enough to say that he'll marry it. Right. I mean, it's, so I, I think that, you know, we need to, to look at the people of God a little bit, I, w- I would say holistically, because I think that here's maybe the way that I would put it. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's true. The, the church is, is not the building, but it's the people, but the, the people, well, the, the building and the land is a part of us. I mean, that, that's a part of who the people is. Um, right. it, it's not like we, we are, we are just this thing that's totally detached and separate from it. Like good luck surviving without any buildings or without any land. I mean, that, that's a part of who we are. Right. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, um, so yeah, so certainly, I mean, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that we could certainly talk a lot more about and I, I think yeah. for bringing it up, uh, it, it's, uh, but it will be have, it'll have to be something that we talk about maybe the uh, the next time we have you on because we are actually only twelve verses but we're all out of time already, but yeah just I appreciate that concluding thought that it's just you know God is is not content just to like you know annihilate the land and, and the buildings like th- these are important things to Him too because they're a part of uh, who we are and who He has made us to be His creation and His new creation will one day include a renewed heavens and a new earth and a new city of Jerusalem. It matters to God. And so these things should matter to us uh, as we humbly wait in faith. Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother, for joining us. And Thank I you. hope that you will come on again really soon. Anytime. I'd be happy to be on. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Pastor. Yeah, thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Gavin Mize, pastor of Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us. Great to get back into the swing of things in this new year. Until next time, we're moving on to Isaiah chapter 65. I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.